and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show nationwide. Glad to have you with me today. I hope you got blue skies wherever you are. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you would like to be on the program. We had a hiccup earlier with the phone system. It looks like it's fixed now uh, if you want to call in. I, you know, I, I, I want to talk about COVID real quick. Uh, but before I do that, um, there is, well, a number of, um, well, there are a number of Ukraine updates I'm afraid I have to bring. Reuters is reporting that in this massive convoy of military equipment headed toward uh, Kiev, the Russians have actually made uh, not a lot of progress because of logistical difficulties, according to the U.S. Ministry of Defense. They've failed to get control of airspace over Ukraine, meaning they're having to spend more time on night operations than day operations. And also, it appears that uh, Russians are beginning to surrender to Ukrainians. More and more data shows that the Russian troops, the conscripts, if you will, they were told that they were just going to go on a training operation and they don't want to be shooting and killing Ukrainians in large part because they view Ukrainians as their brothers and sisters. A Ukrainian mob came out on the way to uh, Kiev and piled up in front of a Russian convoy and started chanting occupants, murderers, blocking the convoy, daring the Russians to run them over. In one Russian city, a Russian tank was seen running over a car that was trying to flee. The Russian tank went out of its way to run over and crush the vehicle. The occupant uh, was able to get out of it but was badly injured. In another, Russian tanks literally ran over people, crushing people beneath the tank treads. This is a very bad situation, and it has galvanized the world against Russia. Interestingly enough, the Russians are announcing they're going to have an anti-fascist conference in August with a number of Middle Eastern countries, including some American allies, like the United Arab Emirates, invited. Now, I guess the media will give them a pass because the media always gives a pass to people who call themselves anti-fascist. What we're seeing is a very dangerous situation, and we shouldn't make light of the dangers. We can make light of the anti-fascist nonsense. But the dangers, it is a dangerous time. And it's a it's an wide opening and, and an awakening for a lot of people in Europe who've had it very good for a very long time. The United States of America, for a very long time, did everything for Europe when it comes to defense. To his credit, Donald Trump, when he was president, uh, urged Germany in particular to do more, and they never did it when he was there, and now they're realizing they've got to. They've got to step up. If there's a benefit to Europe of Joe Biden leading from behind, it's that the Europeans realize they need each other, and they've got to step up in ways they haven't had to in the past. The downside for us is that we've largely been able to help shape Europe's direction by being so heavily in charge. And now we're going to let go of some of that control of direction while the Europeans step up. At the same time, 
our ability to be involved and to cover defense in Europe allowed a, a European peace movement to thrive and uh, blame America first attitude in Europe. The Americans got blamed for everything, and now they can't, and they realize they don't have us. They've got to grow up, and they're rushing to do so. This was a, a necessary shakeup to a degree, but it doesn't impact us in the way it impacts the Europeans. I saw the UK defense minister was actually excoriated by people in Britain the other day because he released a statement about how we need to be extra mindful of the impact that this war on Ukraine has to the uh, minorities and underprivileged in the LGBTQIA plus community. Got all the letters in. They just keep growing. Level of orthodoxy there. You got to keep adding letters. He was excoriated by that. You know, the Eastern Europeans, you don't see anybody there, as I said yesterday, you don't see anybody complaining that they're pulling men off the buses and not the women. They're sending the women and the kids on. The women want to stay and fight. They can, but they're not making them. I guess my, one of the issues here that I'm I'm dealing with is I would like to think we would have a wake-up call given what's going on, but I don't think we're going to, not in this country at least. It's still too far removed for us. We are the United States of America. We can put a Ukrainian flag in our bio on social media, and that does it. That's going to beat the Russians. We can worry about the lack of masks in the crowds in Ukraine. They're going to spread COVID. And we can worry about the lack of diversity of the white men sitting down together to have peace talks. Where are the women? Someone literally yesterday was upset. There were no women among the Ukrainian and Russian delegations having peace talks on the edge of Ukraine at, at, at Belarus. There were no women. Where are they? Very sexist, you know. We still live in soft times in the country, in our country. The Ukrainians, however, soft times are done for them. Their lives are on the line. And Russia could still very well win this thing. Here's something you need to appreciate and understand is that in early war efforts, supply lines and logistics tend to have these problems. The Germans had them during the Blitzkrieg, the start of the Blitzkrieg in World War II. They did. During the uh, purge of Iraq from Kuwait in the Gulf War in 1990, U.S. supply lines ran out. We had to put uh, U.S. personnel who were not trained as supply runners into uh, gas trucks and ferry them out onto the battlefield to the tanks to fill them up because we were running out. It was logistics of a war. The logistics of a war never really pan out the way people first imagine. So the Russians could get a grip on it now. They haven't deployed most of their air force. They haven't deployed a lot of their heavy armory. They've still got a lot of troops and reserves to put on the battlefield. Things could still go badly for Ukraine. But as the Russians get there and realize they really are at war and it's not a training mission, a lot of the Russians are losing heart. 
the Ukrainians are fighting to save their country. What are the Russians fighting for? They don't seem to know. It would be a strategic mistake to get NATO involved because then the Russians, who have been raised to hate NATO, would suddenly have a real enemy. Ukraine will have betrayed them and sided with NATO. And there's a lot of uh, PR and press out there trying to stir up the idea that NATO is aggressively helping Ukraine so that the Russians will feel like they're fighting Ukraine and not, not uh, or fighting NATO and not Ukraine. We got to be careful here. There are a lot of armchair quarterbacks and armchair generals looking at this. Well, we should do that. Well, we should do that. Well, we shouldn't do that. We're obviously in a day and age where we don't trust the experts, but uh, maybe let the military leaders decide what they're doing. And we should all see the Russian aggression. One of the things that fascinates me here is that there are a number of people on the alt-right. Now, I got in trouble last night because I said the right, and I really didn't mean it. There's that alt-right group. They're the nationalists, a lot of them white nationalists who were very boisterous for Russia, for Putin, cheering Putin on, saying the Ukrainians got what they deserved, and public opinion turned so swiftly against Ukraine or against Russia that they're like, I'm just here for truth. All this Ukrainian propaganda crap, it's not really true, and they're peddling Russian propaganda to counter Ukrainian propaganda. The Ukrainians have doubled down on the ghost of of Kiev. The, The fighter pilot exists. They won't say who it is. But the soldiers at Snake Island or the Border Patrol guys, turns out they're alive. It wasn't Ukrainian disinformation or misinformation to say they all died. They really thought they had. The Russians yesterday revealed that all the guys on Snake Island, when the Russians blew up the island, they were still alive and captured them. So you got to be careful with the narrative of war there. But it is remarkable just how quickly The world has united against Russia. Even China now is telling Russia to back off and go home. Makes you wonder what off-ramp they'll give to Putin to try to end the war. I I, I don't know. I'm fascinated by that aspect of it. Let's take some of your phone calls. A lot of you want to chat. The phone number is 877-973-7425. George, I'm going to go to you first. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. George, how are you? Good information. I wanted to tell people something, some things they could do, and I also wanted to give you a very unusual Eden Pure endorsement if you wanted to. But oh, sure, go for it. Is, okay, but the website's inner. I'm going to say that for last, so that way you have to come back. Energy Intelligence U.S. Importers Brace is a website. Energy Intelligence U.S. Importers Brace for Ukraine. They they list the, the data, like you said, a, a half a million to six hundred thousand barrels of, of hydrocarbons. 50% of them go to the West Coast, mainly raw materials that go to Valero, Marathon, a company called BPF, and Delta on the East Coast. Uh-huh. But what's really interesting is there's a line in there that says, Russian crude is more of an optimistic, but opportunistic piece of the crude slate, he said. It's, it's, a, it's not a baseline part of anybody's crude, and U.S. refiners can rejigger those crude slates to back, back out of Russian crude. So I would encourage people to write these companies. I'm a shareholder in one of these companies to write these companies, get on Twitter, Facebook, and ask them to stop using Russian oil. So we can, yes, we can do an embargo of Russian oil without the government. And then I, I gave to the Samaritan's Purse. Samaritan's Purse is running a relief organization. There are other organizations that are helping the citizens. And then, if you're ready for this, the Eden Pure's really work. And I'm going to give you one. It's a little weird. 
My wife has uh, stomach issues, and frequently the, my bedroom is very gaseous at night where I don't want to sleep there. With the Eden Pure, I can sleep in my own bedroom. There you go. Uh, there you go. Man, George, a little bit TMI on that last one, but I appreciate it, and that's good information. You know, I've had a lot of people reach out and say, what can we do to help? Samaritan's Purse is a great one to reach out to. Uh, Samaritan's Purse is, is actively helping in Ukraine. Uh, the Southern ba- my gosh, the Southern Baptists are everywhere. And they're all over Ukraine, too, helping. Uh, their international mission board uh, is is a great way to help in Ukraine because there are a lot of uh, Baptist ministries in Ukraine that are helping people. In fact, a number of Baptist ministers I follow a lot online hearing the stories of the ones who uh, drove their families into Poland, turned around, and went back to be with their congregations. Uh, powerful stories. One more here. Tyler, before we go to break, welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, Eric. How are you doing? Good. What's going on? Uh, not much. Uh, I actually was just calling to get your opinion. I've been seeing it everywhere that, uh, there's the international foreign or international foreign legion that just opened up with the Ukrainian embassies where a bunch of Americans and British people are going over there and I I guess all over the world. Yeah. Uh, I was getting your opinion on, do you think that would affect, uh, the way that Putin sees the U S not interacting with the war? Yeah, potentially. If, uh, if a lot of current service members who are on break go over there and help, uh, that could be problematic. If, if it's people who aren't in the military anymore, uh, the, it generally, I mean, people do that, even even the Russians encounter that. In fact, there's a profile in Texas Monthly about a an American who is a propaganda minister for the Russian effort in Ukraine. He's an older Texas guy uh, who has embraced uh, Soviet and Putin propaganda, gone over, and he really does believe he's fighting the Nazis. He's convinced the Ukrainians are Nazis. And so he's helping, but you know, there's this movement over there now for a lot of people to go. And I got, I have a sense if you're an American and you've been in the military, you grew up, if you're in the eighties, so you're in your late thirties, early forties, you grew up wanting to kill the Russians, the Soviets. I would not be surprised to find out a massive number of people have gone over to Ukraine to help the Ukrainians fight the Soviets or the Russians, because it's what you grew up wanting to do war games and all of that. And the first person shooters, you were always out to get either the Nazis or the commies, and here's your chance. And it wouldn't surprise me if a bunch of people have gone over to do that. Breaking news, DirecTV is dumping RT America uh, effective immediately. Good. Uh, RT is the Russian propaganda service. It's on DISH and DirecTV and other satellite providers. And it very much is a propaganda service. I've been asked a number of times over the years to appear on RT and have refused uh, I've even been on Al Jazeera before, and I've refused to go on RT because it is. It's Russian propaganda. I want nothing to do with it. Uh, and DirecTV is dumping a maybe Dish Network will as well. Uh, the phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-973-7425. Well, I got to tell you, um, <laughs> you will not be surprised. Stuff like this is finally happening. Uh, the American Association of Veterinary Medical Colleges has a 2022 conference. The speakers for the American Association of Veterinary Co- uh, Medical Colleges, one of the leading professional development events in international academic veterinary medicine, will be Dr. Anthony Carnavali, Dr. Randall Bass, and Nicole Hannah-Jones. That's right. Nicole Hannah-Jones. Oh, guess what? They're going to be talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion this year. I'm sure you want your vet to be woke. 
Well, my puppy identifies as a, as a gerbil. Oh, well then. We're going to have a diversity community meeting, uh, strategies for integrating diversity, equity, and inclusion skills into preclinical professional skills workshops, a college community response to challenges following the death of George Floyd, a health and well-being among LGBTQ plus veterinary professionals, a small step towards including increasing diversity in veterinary medicine, gender in veterinary education leadership, using a hackathon to design a longitudinal diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging uh, to the laboratory animal medical. Good Lord. Understanding cultural competency, diversity, equity, inclusion across veterinary institutions, a global perspective. And the keynote speaker, will be Nicole Hannah-Jones. So your puppies can be woke. That's right. If you have a German shepherd, you too can make that Nazi dog feel shame. And why everyone should be forced to own a black cat, which I didn't know was a thing. People don't want black cats. I've always grown up with black cats. Apparently people don't want them. Surely it's racism. We'll learn at the Diversity, Equity, Inclusion Seminar with Nicole Hannah-Jones. Good gracious. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Yes, you can be a part of the program. 877-973-7425. Let's go to the phones. Tom, you're up next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. How you doing? Good. How are you? I don't know if if I missed it in the news. Is there not a U.N. peacekeeping force anymore, and why hasn't it been deployed? Uh, yes, there is a UN peacekeeping force, but it's got to be deployed um, by the UN with the permission of the of the Security Council, and the Russians will veto anything. And you only tend to go in uh, when they're called by the local countries, and they're not actually uh, at war with each other. So the peacekeepers go in once the war is done and allegedly keep the peace, uh, but they won't go in now because the Russians would veto uh, the the UN peacekeeping mission. They do exist. They're typically deployed in third world countries that have had border disputes, and the UN steps in to try to keep the peace once they've settled on a border. Uh, but I want to turn now, I said I wanted to talk about this, to masks. I'm ready for the airline mask mandate to go away. Jamie DeCharm at uh, Time Magazine has a piece, the headline of which is pretty telling, why you should keep wearing a mask on planes even when you no longer have to. The Transportation Security Administration may get rid of the mask mandate. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention on February 25th relaxed its own guidance around masking and says indoor masking is not necessary for about 70% of the population. Though the guidance is separate from the travel mandate, it signals a growing acceptance to go barefaced. For months, airline executives have questioned the need for in-flight mask mandates, arguing that the air filtration systems on planes are effective enough to eliminate virtually all airborne pathogens. Representatives for the nation's largest flight attendants union, however, have said they expect the mandate to be extended since COVID-19 is still circulating widely. It's not yet clear what the Biden administration will do. Throughout the pandemic, there have been documented instances of COVID spreading on planes. Still, in-flight transmission happens less frequently than one might expect with such close quarters and shared air. The authors of a research review published in September of 2021 
which analyzed 18 prior studies on in-flight spread of COVID, concluded that, quote, transmission of SARS-CoV-2 can occur in aircraft, but is a relatively rare event. A 2020 study conducted for the U.S. Department of Defense and carried out by researchers from Boeing and United Airlines, among others, found that aircraft ventilation and filtration systems reduced the risk of airborne COVID exposure by more than 99%. And yet, some still don't want you to get out of the mask. I'll tell you who does want you to get out of the mask, though. An increasing number of Democrats. Now listen, I want to be fair here on this. COVID numbers in the country have fairly rapidly plummeted. The Omicron variant has plummeted so rapidly. There is, for example, a 59% reduction in cases in the United States over the last 14 days. The level of COVID in this country is higher than it was in last summer. In fact, it's higher than it was in daily average cases uh, than at any time for a very long time. But the decline is very rapid. We had a massive wave and a massive collapse. And across the country, cases are plummeting. Hospitalizations are plummeting. It's become very unlikely to catch it. And so, because of that, the government is saying we can move on from masks and we can move on from hospitalizations overwhelmingly. People aren't, unless they're unvaccinated and they get it, getting hospitalized. Hospitalizations are down 44%. ICU uh, stays are down 43%. Death down 23%. It's a lagging indicator. Cases down 59%. It's time to move on. But here's the thing. It was the same way last week. There are a lot of people who want to give the government the benefit of the doubt and say, actually, they're making a science-based decision. Politics has nothing to do with it. And that's not true. As much as you want to believe it's just an objective decision, the CDC could have made this decision two weeks ago. They could have made the decision last Monday. They waited to make the decision until NBC News and the New York Times both report the Biden administration was putting pressure on the CDC to get rid of the mask mandate and to update its guidelines after internal Democratic polling showed the voters have had enough. There was clear pressure from voters, and that persuaded the CDC. Listen, you don't have to take my word for it. Take the mainstream media, which has gone over and beyond protecting Joe Biden on this issue. They're the ones saying it. Here's NBC News today. Democrats turn against mask mandates as COVID landscape and voter attitudes shift. The decision was driven by a mix of science and political science. Sayal Kapoor. When President Biden gives his State of the Union speech on Tuesday, the mask mandate will be gone in the Capitol, reflecting a stark nationwide shift for Democrats against the public safety rule that has fueled a red versus blue culture war. Behind the shift is a blend of science and political science. The COVID-19 landscape is improving, with vaccines and booster shots easily available and providing highly effective 
at preventing severe illness or death. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention say 70% of Americans reside in areas with lower medium COVID levels. All 50 states have eased or eliminated mask mandates, and the White House formally ditched its requirement Monday. But vanquishing Donald Trump by promising to get the virus under control, Democrats are now positioning themselves to declare victory against COVID ahead of a tough midterm election amid recent polling data showing Americans are less fearful and eager to return to a normal life. The message is backed by advice from Biden's polling firm, Impact Research, which studied voter attitudes to COVID and found that most Americans are worn out by the restrictions and have personally moved out of crisis mode. It's not just the science and the data. It's the polling. And now there's this from the New York Times. Democratic governors look to Biden for a political reset. This is the subtitle. At a weekend fundraising retreat, a group of governors worried about voter frustration with Democrats hope President Biden's State of the Union speech would be a pivot point. They hoped the speech would be the pivot point coming at the convergence of three major events that could reorder the existing political landscape, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, Mr. Biden's first Supreme Court nomination, and the loosening of many COVID restrictions. The environment is not where we want it to be right now, said Roy Cooper, governor of North Carolina, chairman of the Democratic Governors Association, which organized the event. But I believe it's going to get substantially better. Democrats are defending 16 governorships in November including the battleground states of Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, plus Maine, Nevada, and Minnesota. Those battleground states have taken on outsized importance after Donald Trump and many in the Republican Party showed an unwillingness to accept electoral defeat in 2020. Republicans see an opportunity to pick up a seat in Kansas, a conservative state where Governor Laura Kelly, a Democrat, is seeking re-election. In informal poolside chats and closed-door political strategy sessions, attendees considered what could be done to change the trajectory of the president's standing and the Democratic brand. A Washington Post-ABC poll on Sunday showed Mr. Biden with a 37% overall approval rating, a new low, and 30% among independents. On the retreat sidelines, several officials expressed frustration with the White House political operation when granted anonymity to speak candidly. In interviews, state-level Democrats made clear they want less debate over stalled legislation in Washington and more ribbon cuttings and other events highlighting the economic and infrastructure packages already signed into law. All they hear from Washington is process, Mr. Cooper said to voters, the governor of North Carolina, Phil Murphy of New Jersey, the governor there, said we've undersold historic investment in the country. That's the New York Times. The Democratic governors are ready to move on. Now, behind the scenes, you talk to experts, and they fret about the next COVID. We've had Omicron. Will there be another mutation? Will there be another wave? Could be. But Americans at this point, they don't care. In the height of the Omicron variant when everyone was getting sick, you know, my family, we wound down a little bit because of our situation, we have to. But most people I know didn't. At this point, a lot of people have internalized, well, we're going to get it anyway. Might as well go on forward. And now the Democratic elected officials are realizing their voters are angry. 
Their voters are furious. And they are. They're very angry. And they're leaning Republican. This is the thing people don't understand and don't realize. But it shows up in the data. If you know how to read polling data, independent Democratic-leaning voters have started leaning Republican. That's why the Democrats are freaked out. You need to understand this. There are a number of voters out there who consider themselves modern and independent. We need to use the lingo here. Independent voters tend to lean Republican, but they don't like the Republican Party. Moderate voters tend to lean Democrat, but they don't like the Democratic Party. When you describe yourself as an independent voter, you tend to be a little more conservative, so you tend to be a little more affiliated with the Republicans. When you call yourself a moderate, you tend to actually be more Democrat. And you all know this. I encounter people all the time who say, I'm a radical moderate. I had some guy tell me this the other day. I'm a radical moderate. When someone tells you they're a radical moderate, they tend to be a, a Democrat who votes Democrat and believes the Democrats, but likes to think of themselves as being able to think for themselves when they don't. I don't know that I've ever met a, a self-described moderate who wasn't a Democrat. Independents tend to be Republicans who are ashamed of the Republican Party. And when you got Marjorie Taylor Greene in there, how can you blame them? Independents tend to be gun owners. They tend to be small business people. They tend to be conservative fiscally and, and socially. When you dive into the data, independent voters have shifted overwhelmingly to the GOP, but so have the moderate voters. That's the warning sign for the Democrats. It's not that the independents have shifted to the GOP. Independents are already Republican. It's that the moderates have shifted to the GOP. So the mom in the suburb who considers herself a moderate, who really doesn't like guns or Republicans, but she doesn't like progressives, so she calls herself a moderate. She likes to hang out with her friends and drink wine and, and pretend that she's actually engaged with her kid on the soccer field when really she's looking at Instagram stories. She's upset with the Democrats and she's going to vote Republican. Now the Republicans are worried that people like Marjorie Taylor Greene are going to prepare, are going to get those people back to the Democrats and the Democrats think it too. The Democrats rather trying to make Marjorie Taylor Greene seem like a larger than life figure on the right. I don't think they're going to be able to do it. I don't think they're going to be able to do it because at the end of the day, Marjorie Taylor Greene is a backbencher where AOC and the squad are at the forefront of the Democratic Party. I mean, it's different. Marjorie Taylor Greene is, is not an effective member of Congress. She can't get anything passed. Other conservative Republicans have been able to work with Democrats to get stuff passed, not Marjorie. Marjorie can't get anything passed, and it's probably not going to change when she's in the majority. But AOC and them do, and they are alienating to moderate Democrats with some of their aggressive defund the police stuff. Listen, moderate Democrats may be Democrats, but they're Democrats who don't want their home broken into at night, and they're being mugged by reality and voting Republican. It's something you got to uh, remember in the polling, and this is why the Democrats have started freaking out about masks and everything else. The moderate Democrats, not just the independents, but the moderate Democrats are over COVID. They're over lockdown. They're over shutdowns. They're ready to move on, and the Democrats in Washington are the ones who've been holding them back, and so now you got Democratic Governors out there saying, you've got to do something, Washington. Please, please, please. 
A little bit more from the New York Times. The White House announced it's lifting its mask mandate for vaccinated staff as of Tuesday, the day of the State of the Union. Republicans scoffed that it was cratering polling, not science, causing the sudden Democratic shift. Governor DeSantis of Florida, who's on the ballot this year and considered a 2024 presidential candidate, welcomed the Democratic governor's gathering in a state by selling lockdown libs tour. Lockdown Democrats can't get enough of Florida's freedom, read a fundraising email. Democratic candidates for governor from Florida, Iowa, South Carolina, Arizona, Arkansas, Ohio, and Pennsylvania all attended the retreat. Stacey Abrams came to the, the candidate for governor, and she spoke at the nearby home of a donor who hosted a reception. They were all in Florida where they're not locked down. And, you know, Abrams, for example, has been wanting Georgia to still be locked down. The Democrats, they're going to have hell to pay with voters, moderate voters, Democrat-leaning voters, because they went too far. And they couldn't let go of their dogma and their fear. And now, because of the polling, not because of the science, because of the polling, they're having to undo it all. And the crazy, crazy thing here is that the voters realize it, and it looks opportunistic to the voters. And the voters think you're doing it now because your polling changed. We had to get mad at you for do it to do it. You couldn't do the right thing. That's going to make the voters even more mad. Democrats painted themselves in this corner. Now, don't paint yourself into a corner. You're tired of using woke businesses. You're tired of having to deal with them. The Fortune 500, they don't like you. They don't like your values. Patriot Mobile likes your values. Patriot Mobile shares your values. Patriot Mobile wants you as a customer. If you go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, you get free activation with my name. They are a conservative Christian company, and they give a portion of their profits to the conservative cause. They will support the Second Amendment and the First Amendment. They will support life. They will support veterans, first responders. They back the blue. And you can, too, by being a customer of theirs, a portion of their profits, go to support these causes. And they give you great discounts by being a a, uh, user, whether you're a first responder, a veteran, a teacher, an NRA member. You get good discounts. You get free activation with my name. You can call them at 972-PATRIOT. If you want to do it over the telephone, just tell them I sent you. You get free activation or just go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric today. You get free activation. You use the same cell towers everybody else uses. So you don't have to worry about the service. You get great service and you're doing business with a company that shares your values. Patriotmobile.com slash Eric. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson. You can call in 877-973-7425. Looks like we got a new president of CNN. Chris Licht, he is going to adjust CNN's programming mix to include more hard news and less opinion. Really? I'm, here's my concern. I don't know him. He apparently follows me on social media, Um, but he's worked with Stephen Colbert. And so my concern, he was an executive producer of Morning Joe. And then he has been essentially the showrunner, executive producer for Stephen Colbert. My concern has been that he's going to move the network more sharper left than even Zucker did, given that he's worked with Stephen Colbert. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. Um, the The mandate from Discovery, although they haven't quite bought it yet, the, the merger is going forward, is to move it back to hard news. Now, he's never run anything as big as CNN before. He's always run individual shows, but Zucker was in that boat till he got promoted from the Today Show. 
but uh, there is this compelling part, I, I find. On an April morning in 2010, the future leader of CNN heard a pop in his skull and was suddenly stricken with a vicious headache. Though he didn't know it then, Chris Licht, who at the time was executive producer of Morning Joe on MSNBC, had a hemorrhage in his skull bleeding in the space around his brain. What well, makes you wake up and grow up, doesn't it? Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this guy. When we come back, we got to get a little bit back into Ukraine. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building. You want to build a building. Reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.